unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. And we're back, copywriters. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. How are you, Nathan? I'm fantastic. I'm always fantastic when we get to get on these calls. It feels like it feels like I'm in a situation where I have a mentor that pays me, so <laughs> I, I can <laughs> never complain. Well, uh, it, it works for me, too, so I'm glad to do it. Awesome. So what are we going to be talking about today? Confidence. Feeling confident, not being a confidence man, but a uh, confidence woman, but not being a con, not being a grifter, but actual feeling confident as a copywriter. Nice. I think this is something that, whether it's a copywriter or an entrepreneur, I think this is a struggle that anybody that's trying to uh, prove themselves in the marketplace deals with. Yeah, um, I, I do too. And I've, I've given it a lot of thought. Let me start by telling you about something I saw on Quora.com about Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, the uh, former governor of California, the guy in the movies, the uh, bodybuilder. Before he became California's governor and when he was still a you know, world-famous champion bodybuilder, he was walking down Venice Beach in Southern California. And two young women saw him and his huge muscles, and I do mean huge muscles. And one of them supposedly said, ew, I would never want to look like that. And he said, and you never will. <laughs> and the point being, he didn't really care what other people thought about the way he looked. He was pretty confident in who he was. Now. It's a great story, but I, I have to say, as a copywriter, you do need to worry not about how people think about how you look, but at least how prospects respond to your copy. And always keep this in mind. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims... And if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now, Nathan, let's talk about confidence, and then we'll talk about how to build and keep a high level of confidence as a copywriter. Nice. So uh, let's talk about some... Popular notions, some conventional wisdom about how to become confident. There are people who think you can just say a few magic words over and over, like, I'm confident, or I'm good, or something like that, and that's going to make you confident. And it's a very seductive theory, because we already talk to ourselves, and if we just start saying these things that make us feel good when we hear them, hey... And it's easy, right? What's wrong with that? Um, a lot of things. Uh, nothing wrong with doing it, okay? Be, now, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. There are some people who think that you can rewire your brain to increase your confidence. And I don't know how that works, but I've never seen that by itself work for copywriters. 
And I want to let you know, I'm not against self-help or affirmations or neuroplasticity or all of the things that people use to fortify their brain power and their attitude. Here's what I'm against. I'm against believing that that's going to do the trick by itself. I think those things are like, well, you know, with a car, there's something called STP. It's an additive that makes the gas work better, the petrol work better. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But try just putting STP in your tank without any gas and see how far you get, right? It's the, it's the gas that we're talking about. It's the fuel. And, well, be, before we throw all of that under the bus, I don't want to throw it under the bus. I know the most successful copywriter, Gary Bensavanga, acknowledged that he used slightly more sophisticated versions of what I was just talking about as part of his mental preparation. And I think a lot of professional athletes do that. A lot of champions do that. But that's the icing on the cake, right? Um, there's a foundation underneath all of that. And I want to stick to the foundational stuff in today's episodes. Lord knows, you know, I have, I have friends who specialize in teaching people how to rewire your brain or how to use affirmations. And while I might say they're only offering part of the puzzle, I think what they're offering is good. But there is another part to the puzzle, too. Now, before we get into the foundation stuff or what I'm going to call baseline confidence, that sort of rock solid feeling deep in your gut that, you know, you can do it. You know, you can do the job, you know, you can do well. I want to make a very important distinction. The big difference between that kind of confidence, your confidence in yourself and your ability to get the job done, to get results, and a situational thing, an in-the-moment thing, confidence in a particular piece of copy you're writing or something you've just written. Big difference between thinking of yourself as a copywriter and that you can do it and how you feel about something you're writing or you've just written. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good clarification because what you were talking about, there's things like you've mentioned before, the reticular activator, where if you, if you program your brain to look for evidence of a certain um, belief or a certain way that you want to view the world, you'll find it and it'll, it'll compound and it'll, You'll be more confident in that belief, but what you're talking about in this episode is confidence in a particular piece of work rather than confidence in yourself as a whole. Well, not, not exactly. I'm, I'm only talking about confidence in yourself as a whole, but confidence in yourself in a very specific way to be able to do the job. Here, let me, let me explain this. It's, it's probably different from anything you've heard before. Okay. So with yourself, this is what you want to work on. You want to fortify, you want to increase skills, you want to have certain experiences, you want to develop certain qualities, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But with a particular piece of copy, if you're interested in doing that stress-free, you might as well forget about it. You might as well. Some anxiety is the price you pay to do this kind of work. I'm deadly serious. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
And it doesn't mean that you have psychological problems, that you have a disorder because you feel a little jittery or uncertain when you're writing copy or after you've written it about that piece of copy. Here's why. You never know for sure how well copy is going to work until you test it. And the creative process of creating stuff, of performing, which is a unique creation each time, that includes anxiety. Universally, all writers, musicians, comedians, public speakers, artists, many other types of performers and creative people. I mean, when you were in you know, in the music business, did you ever experience that before you were about to perform? Oh, every single time. Yeah. And most people I talk to and many people I've read about, same thing. There's a great screenwriter, um, both for TV and movies, named Aaron Sorkin. And he has a masterclass on, it's called masterclass.com. That's the company. He has a, a class online about screenwriting. And at one point in the class, he's describing his writing process, and he says there are these very productive sessions followed by long periods of depression. And I think he's only half kidding. You know, depression, anxiety, it, when, you're, when you're tapping in, well, here's why. Here's why when, when you're tapping in. Because this is not necessarily something to cure. It's something to learn to live with and to respond to differently. See, there's this thing called the edge of chaos. Every time you start to create something new, you're going from the known, stable, orderly world into the unknown, and that's chaotic. And even if you're only doing something a little bit original, you're going where no one's ever been before. You don't know what's going on exactly. That creates a certain amount of discomfort. And creativity, by its very nature, takes you from the familiar to the unfamiliar. If what you're doing is totally familiar in every aspect, then it's the same old shit, and it may not work very well. If it's unfamiliar, as it should be, it might be a little uncomfortable. And when you get into that place, which I would call a flow state, it's an adventure, and adventures can be fun, but they can also be scary. And that's what anxiety is. It's a form of fear. But I'll give you a couple of pieces of advice to deal with this before we talk about baseline confidence, which is the kind of confidence that I think is really worth developing and can be rock solid, even in the face of all this anxiety. If that makes sense, if you can imagine that you're freaking out over what you're doing, yet deep down inside, you're just cool as a cucumber and you know you can do it. Does that make sense, Nathan? Yeah, it's one thing that I've, that I've experienced when you said uh, the music industry. Um, you're going into a studio, you're paying between $50 and $150 an hour. You know that you've only got a couple amount of takes for the budget. And you know the song, you're confident that you can deliver it, but you also know that there's a lot riding on uh, on the line and the same thing in copy you know that you understand how to write a compelling message you know that you um that you know how to persuade you know the things that you've got your checklist of things that you need to hit but you've got a customer's money on the line you've got to deliver for them otherwise uh your reputation might be on the line and so you can either 
you can either overcome that you you deal with it everybody still has it you you say okay i'm i'm nervous about this i'm anxious about this but i'm going to step into the booth and i'm going to tell the guy to hit the record button or you could say you know i'm just not going to i'm not even going to go to the studio today i'm i'm there's just too much on the line and i'm not willing to take that gamble and i think that uh in copywriting, when I first got into copywriting, not so much now, but still every once in a while, but definitely when I first started taking on clients, I definitely had that same feeling of, do I really want to risk this $150 for an hour of recording? Because we might not get the song that we intend to get when we go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so you you have to face it. Here's how I think you can lessen the pain and increase the quality of your performance and the quality of your experience. First of all, surrender to the weird feelings. Now, by surrender, I don't mean give up the fight. I don't mean roll yourself into a ball in the fetal position, lie on the floor and suck your thumb. That is not what I mean. What I mean is stop resisting them. Just acknowledge them. Yeah, I'm feeling a little crazy right now. And just by doing that and by not fighting it, that will help the feelings move through your mind and your body and out, okay? Almost embrace it. Yeah, embrace it and acknowledge it and, and don't fight it. Fighting those weird feelings locks them in. The second thing is an interesting quote that I heard about attributed to a doctor named Fritz Perls. He was the founder of Gestalt Therapy, which is uh, one of the more interesting California-based psychotherapies. And he said, fear is excitement without breathing. Mm, Okay. So keep breathing. And what what you're looking to do is, is transform it into excitement as much as you can and just keep it moving. Don't let it stay stuck inside you. You don't need to be a nervous wreck. And look, that's my way of handling it. Everyone has their own way of handling it. But what I want to do now is go through all this in detail to point out you can still be baseline, confident, and solid, even if you're freaking out about a particular project you're working on. And that's to be expected sometimes, just happens. But don't confuse that freaking out with a lack of confidence. They're two different things, okay? Hey, let me ask you a question. Does it take you too long to write your copy? And if it does, have you ever wished you had a proven system to write it faster? Well, if that describes you, then you'll wanna know about high-speed copywriting. This is a home study program that has helped a lot of people write profitable sales letters in as little as five hours. No, it's not a bunch of shortcut tricks that leave you with cookie cutter sales letters that people can ignore. It's about writing full-fledged, memorable, response-getting sales letters much faster than it usually takes. It's tested and proven, too. High-speed copywriting will ease you through putting together an original, powerful sales letter and putting it together in record time. You can find out more at highspeedcopywriting.com. By the way, this is one of the very few programs that Bond and Kevin Halbert have given their Halbert seal of approval to. So check it out today, highspeedcopywriting.com. Thank you. And now back to our show. So you've got a bunch of notes here, and and, uh, I think that we should start with kind of the foundational stuff. Sure. So the 
foundation of baseline confidence is based on a four-step process that unfortunately most people are too scared to go through. But here's the process. Try something and fail. Number two, resilience. You need to be able to bounce back from that. Failing doesn't define who you are. It means you tried something that didn't give you the result you wanted. That's all it means. That's all. And then number three is reflection and analysis. Take a look back. What happened? What did you do? What contributed to it's not working the way you wanted it to do? And what do you want to try differently next time? And number four, adjustment. Try it again. Now, that, that might sound a little strange, Nathan. I realize that um, a, a lot of people think confident comes from success. And maybe the even bigger popular notion is confidence comes from an unbroken chain of successes. And there's some truth to that on the surface. But think about this. Take two people. One who has had failures and learned how to overcome them, learned how to adjust and and turn a failure into a success. And the second person has never had a failure. They've only had successes. There are people like that. Um, put them in a situation where they both fail. The successful person is going to fall to pieces because he or she is not going to know what to do. Mm -hmm. The the person who's had failures before is going to say, oh, well, what the heck? That didn't work. Let's see what we can do different. Yeah, the the person that's already dealt with failures, it's a lot less of a scary prospect than the person who maybe has had three successes in a row. When they go for that fourth one, they have no idea if it's going to fail. They have no idea how to handle it. But the guy who's had two failures and two successes if he goes into the next venture, he's like, well, what's the worst that can happen? I've failed before and I know what I need to do to get back up on my feet. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so having been through that failure, obviously, if you have only failed and never succeeded, um, that may not build a lot of confidence. But I was talking with a guy who's had a lot of success in this area and he's building a couple new businesses. We were having dinner a few weeks ago and he happens to he was living in san francisco at the time i think he's moved and he was saying that he's trying to set up this new business it's an info marketing business and he's setting up the whole thing he's not just writing copy he's a business owner who can write copy pretty well and he said you know, um, we just keep tweaking it because it's just not right. And I, I said to him, yeah, most people aren't willing to go through that. And he said something to me that, um, his name's Mike Williams, really great guy. If you're listening, Hey Mike. Um, (laughs) and, uh, he said to me something that will probably stay with me forever. He said, if you knew that you were going to get up to bat and strike out 20 times, and on the 21st time, hit the Grand Slam that's going to win the World Series for your team, would you get up those first 20 times? Mm-mm. Yeah, most people, most people aren't willing to risk or embrace the possibility of 20 failures to get that one Grand Slam. They'd rather just sit on the bench. Now, to be sure, you want to minimize the risk, 
in in each failure. You don't want to burn all your boats and you know sell your house and cash in your 401k or you know sell all of your heirloom antiques from your grandparents or, or whatever the heck it is. You, you don't want to do that, okay? Uh, you you want to risk small and fail small, but as as you build up, you want to be prudent in the risks you take so that you'll be around, but you don't want to only do things guaranteed success. You're not going to grow and you're not going to learn that way. Let me also share something with you, something personal I've never shared before with you or the listeners. There's a great, there was a great basketball coach named John Wooden. And some people say he was the best coach ever in in sports, certainly the most successful college basketball coach. And he did a lot more than coach basketball. He was quite a philosopher. And he has something he developed over many years, which I have on the desktop of my iMac. I actually have this picture on there. It's a pyramid. It's called the Pyramid of Success. And it's building blocks. It has one, two, three, four, five five levels underneath success. And the first three levels, I'll read them quickly. Industriousness, friendship, loyalty, cooperation, enthusiasm. It's a bottom level. Second level, self-control, alertness, initiative, intentness. The third level, condition, skill, team spirit. And on the fourth level is poise and confidence. Notice where confidence is on the pyramid. It's got 12 building blocks underneath it. Confidence is earned. It's earned through experience. And this is the baseline confidence. Now think about it. If you have all of this experience and you know that you can do it, maybe you won't get it right the first time, but you can correct mistakes. Is any one project going to destroy you? No. And if you have that confidence, can you take the mental and emotional risks to come up with a better idea and a better approach that could be a control or a you know record setting promotion yes if you have that underlying basis but let me let me tell you something else it's it's a, an example about scaling the heights in a different way have you ever been on the top of a skyscraper under construction i have Many years ago, in the early 1980s, I was a reporter for one of McGraw-Hill's magazines, a construction magazine, and there was a building under construction on North Michigan Avenue in Chicago, and it was a skyscraper, and the contractor invited me to the top of the building. I'm not sure why. I guess it was part of my research for my article. When I was up there, I don't think I had any tether. I was walking around without a safety belt or or any kind of connection. And it was a little scary. But I knew the scaffolding or whatever that's called, the metal around the building, I knew it, it was solid around me. And the floorboards underneath me were nailed down in this temporary structure around a building under construction. But it was kind of windy up there. And I was really high up. And I'd never been nearly that high in a building in the open air before. It was scary. But I felt confident that the scaffolding and the floorboards were solid. Think about that. 
Imagine if the scaffolding was rusty and not well put together. And if one of the floorboards broke when I stepped on it, I would have felt entirely different. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just the heights in the wind that would have scared me at that point, but at, I would have been terrified uh, that maybe I was going to take a 200 story plunge down to the sidewalk on North Michigan Avenue in Chicago. Not a pleasant thought. <laughs> and I, and I, I want to explain how this true story provides a model for the difference between baseline confidence and the anxiety or other negative feelings you might have when you're working on some copy. Okay, the solid scaffolding and the stable floorboards are like the baseline confidence. And in copywriting, your scaffolding and your floorboards are all the things you've experienced, including your failures and how you've rebounded from them and what you've learned from them and what you decided to do differently until you found out what works. And the scaffolding and the floorboards are also your study and your experience with others mentors, teachers, other copywriters, clients, all the things we've talked about. But each new piece you write, each new sales letter, each new VSL script, each new print ad, each one of those might be like walking around for the first time in the open air 200 stories up. Yeah, you have a solid foundation underneath you, to give you confidence, but you could still feel a little weird in an unfamiliar place. Does that make it even clearer? Yeah, absolutely. It's that thing. I hate to beat a dead horse, but going back to the, to the studio, mm-hmm. the first time we went into the studio, we made a lot of mistakes. And every single time that we went in after that, we still made mistakes, but you still get that. You still get that wheezy feeling like stepping out onto the scaffoldings of a 200, plus story building. Um, but each time it does get a little bit better. And each time, you know, well, if I mess up, all I have to do is go back and and hit record again. It's not going to be the end of the world. Uh, but definitely, I think it's one of those things that as you, as you build on it, you get more and more confident, but you can't build on it at all. If you don't have at least a little bit of initial confidence to start with. Yeah, I, I think that's true. So. Um, you, you need to start by learning and you need to start by having experiences and taking classes and reading books. You, you need to have some kind of input to create the very most bare first skimpy pieces of your, of your baseline foundation. Listening to the copywriters podcast. Absolutely. I I think that that's a real help. So I, I want to turn back to the Arnold story that we started with, and I want to turn it on its head a little bit, you know? You see, Arnold did care what people thought about him and the way he looked. He wouldn't have won his bodybuilding contests if the judges didn't think he was the best. He wouldn't have starred in so many movies if directors didn't like him and if audiences didn't like him. And he wouldn't have gotten elected California governor if enough people didn't vote for him. The key thing about Arnold and the women on the beach was he accepted himself for who he was and he could joke about it. He wasn't insecure about that. And so, yeah, other people do matter, especially in this business. But to get confidence as a copywriter, well, you need to be around other people. It could be work in a group. It could be taking seminars. 
could be getting a mentor. It's important not to go it alone completely and to learn from others because that part builds confidence too. So there you go. Um, that That is my philosophy on confidence with some practical things to do about it. Nice. I really like the biggest takeaway that I got from this is something that I've lived by for so many years, the four steps that people are too scared to take you have to you have to risk or even embrace the possibility of failure. You have to be resilient. That means you have to get back up after you after you uh, fail. Um, you have to be able to reflect, and that's scary for most people to to look back on their failures and and be critical and analyze them. And then you have to have the the insight to be able to adjust and then risk going through all four of those steps again. That right there is. I think the key foundational aspect of what confidence really is. Yeah. And I can tell you an easy way to an easier way, at least to, to be willing to do that. The problem is there's a cost, there's a sacrifice. The easy way is to realize you're not your failures. Your failures don't define you. You're not a failure. You did something that failed, but that doesn't make you a failure. But then if you're going to do that, you got to be fair and you got to say you're not your successes either. A success really means staying in the game and improving. It doesn't mean writing a million dollar sales letter. Uh, a failure means giving up or wimping out or, or completely caving in and having no courage at all. The, it's more about the process and the improvement than it is about specific achievements or specific failures. It doesn't mean those things aren't important. They are, but they're not who you are. Mm. Can, can I ask a question on that then? Yeah, sure. So in music, we've talked about the sophomore curse where you come out swinging on your first album. You've got songs that you've been writing for five, six years. You've got a collection of really great you know, top 10 hits and your first album does amazing. The record label pushes you to make a second album. You don't have nearly the time to prepare. You're on the road. You don't have time to practice. And the sophomore album, the sophomore curse is usually that the sophomore album doesn't do as well as the freshman album does. Um, as far as confidence goes in writing copy, when you write, say you do write, you, you hit it out of the park with a grand slam piece of sales copy, and that same client or the next client comes back to you and expects you to repeat that performance uh, that you did with the last one, it, do you still get the jitters, uh, you know, the, the butterflies in your stomach, or does that go away because you did so well on the, on the last one? No, I mean, if if you're being honest with yourself, you're starting at square one each time. Now, square one may be from a higher level of experience and skill and expertise and, and some wins under your belt, but you're always starting at square one. And the, the best thing to realize is we're, we're in a business of probabilities. There's just no guarantees, mm. you know, but... Uh, the best thing you can do is narrow the probabilities in your in your favor. I mean, I think he has said publicly, so I can repeat it. Joe Schrieffer at Agora Financial says that um, about two out of ten of their front end promotions are hits. Now these are promotions with the 
best people using the best technology to get it out there and the best copywriters writing them and the best copy chief I've ever seen, Joe, you know, passing, making sure it passes muster, um, you know, giving it his blessing before it goes out. So they have narrowed the odds incredibly in their favor. Now, backends, once they have a customer, about five out of 10 work. Um, so if the best people in the business with as many advantages as anyone could ever want for can't bat a thousand. Why do you think you should be able to, mm. no matter who you are, you know? Now, I think maybe Gary Bansavenga was never beaten, but he would spend six months writing a promotion and another six months looking at little tests and improving it. Uh, most of us can't operate under those conditions. We have to turn out stuff faster. And why would you want to be Gary Bensavenga? There's only one Gary Bensavenga. There'll never be another one. <laughs> be be the best of yourself. Be the best you can be, you know? Yeah. Awesome. David, this has been just a fantastic episode. And it's more of a mindset episode than it is like a, a tactics episode. But I think out of everything that we've done, I think that this is this is kind of like the foundation that if you don't have if you don't have the mindset that we went over in this one most of the other stuff is not going to be nearly as effective. Well, I agree with you 100%. But, you know, whenever I start working with somebody or I meet someone in an event, no one ever comes up to me and the first question is, how can I improve my confidence? It's basically, give me some ideas for headlines or how can I do my <laughs> offer better? What I can do about research? How do I write better bullet points? So I think it's probably better that we put this later in the sequence. And yet I agree with you. I think this is the foundational mindset stuff that everyone needs to address and, and know about sooner or later. So my advice, listen to this episode twice, then go back and re-listen to all of the previous episodes. Sounds like great advice to me. All right. Awesome. David, thank you so much. Another fantastic episode. Copywriters, make sure you check out the Copywriters podcast and get all of the previous episodes and all of the upcoming episodes. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes and uh, we will catch you next. Oh, actually, before we're out of here, what do we got coming up next week? Oh, that's right. So next week, uh, we've got building conviction in your prospects. Awesome. I can't wait. David, again, thank you so much. Copywriters, thank you for tuning in. We will see you later. Okay. See you later. Do you have a question you'd like to have answered on the Copywriters Podcast? We're looking at questions that are included in new reviews on iTunes. Here's how it works. Leave a review for the Copywriters Podcast on iTunes. Besides giving your thoughts on the podcast itself, include a question you'd like to have answered. We'll be monitoring the questions regularly, and I'll be answering as many of them as I can on future episodes. Thanks for your good ideas and for listening to the Copywriters Podcast.